All right, we're in our, our sermon series about what, what happened next after the resurrection between the, Holy, uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we were talking about some stories in between those times. And this story is uh, in the middle of the middle, right, uh, of the resurrection. We'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, it is out of Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Listen for the word of the Lord. In, in the former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. And after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had, cho- the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while, while they were eating, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him, beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would guide the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth, that each one that is here or listening at home, Lord, would receive what you have for them through your holy scriptures and through these words. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And let me apologize up Vance. My allergies have been bad this week, so I'm a little clogged up and struggling just a little bit. So you'll have to bear with me. All right, so you have heard me say often that the difference between the disciples of Acts and the disciples of the Gospels is based on two things. There were same disciples, same personalities, same issues, but there was two things that made the difference where in the disciples, the disciples of the Gospels were kind of fumbling. They were trying to get it. They missed it. They made a lot of mistakes. Sometimes Jesus himself was shaking his head and, oh, how long do I have to put up with you guys? Um, that was probably my translation on that. But then... The disciples in Acts were bold and courageous. Uh, the, the traditions say that all of them except one went to their death for the glory of God, for the sake of the gospel. They were all martyred. 
And as you read Acts, all you see are these bold, clear, focused disciples. And what were the two things that happened in this in-between time that we've been talking about are, are the two things that made this difference, made this transition. And we see them, and this is the text that talks about them. It is, they experienced the resurrected Lord, and they received the Holy Spirit. And that's why I said it's in the middle of the middle because they've already experienced the resurrected Lord, right? They're experiencing in this text. But it, it goes through and it says, you have experienced me for the last 40 days. And we know the stories. We've talked about them. The two, he joined the two in the road to Emmaus. He joined them while they were eating. He joined them while they were fishing. He joined them in the upper room. He saw some at the tomb. He had made himself visible over and over to his disciples because it was going to be important that they realized that the resurrection was true. He knew this was going to be one of the game changers for these disciples to be the bold disciples of Acts. And so they, they experienced the resurrected Lord. And so now, Jesus, knowing that they have received part of it, they haven't received all of it, he, he says, you're going to go to Jerusalem, and where John baptized with water, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive the promise of the Holy Spirit that the prophets spoke about, and you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had promised them the Holy Spirit. They didn't understand it. In our text, by, in the narrative, they still don't understand it. But Jesus said, I must go, which he does in our story, I must go so that I can send you the helper that you're going to need. And so Jesus ascends, and the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he says, go at the end of Luke, but also in our text, he says, go and wait and don't start till you receive it. That's how important it's going to be. So the disciples in our text only have, or they're only halfway there. They have experienced the risen Lord. They have what they need intellectually in their mind, right? They saw him. You can't dispute that. In their, their eyes, they experienced Jesus who was dead is now alive. So intellectually, they say it's right before me. And emotionally, their heart is all in now. If Jesus, this means everything that, if Jesus has been raised from the dead, he told us over and over while he was alive. But now this is true. And if this is true, everything else must be true, and I'm all in. So they have what they need intellectually, they have what they need emotionally, but they don't have what they need spiritually because they're human. They're separated from God. We're separated from the source of life. Now, when we receive Christ because, see, and this is, gets into way another talk about the Holy Spirit and second baptisms and all this other stuff, but... Just so we understand, this was a special time of transition in the story of the gospel and in our salvation. So yes, they have experienced the resurrected Lord, and now they're waiting to receive the Holy Spirit. 
But in our day, all of those that John talked about that have not seen but yet believe, when we receive Christ in our hearts, we receive the Holy Spirit too. That all comes together, right? It's not a separate thing as we understand it. But he knows that they're not going to be able to do this even though they're all in in their heads and they're all in in their hearts, they still can't do it on their own natural understanding, on their own natural power. They must be reconnected to the very source of life, the power. All these things that they're going to have to do, they're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. So then when that is in place, their souls will be revived, they'll be infused, they'll be connected with the power of the Holy Spirit, and then they can do their mission with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul. So we're waiting for this peace. They're in the middle because they're going to need it. Scripture, if we go through Scripture, and and you can go find all of these, but Scripture says we don't even know what to pray. Paul tells us in Romans, we need the Holy Spirit to tell us what to pray. If we're going to pray, we're going to pray, let I win the lotto or some, some thing that's wasting time before the, getting in the way of kingdom work. So we need the Lord to tell us what we need to pray. We need to align our will. Prayer is not telling God our will. Prayer is aligning our will with God's will. And we can't know that on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us. And We need to know what to say. Jesus tells his disciples, when you go before kings and heads of state and leaders, don't worry what to say. The spirit that I'm going to give you will tell you what to say. And I can vouch for that. I remember when I first was, I came kind of backed into being a pastor. I had shared a bunch of, with some mentors about my desire. I think I was called to be a pastor and and I struggled with it, and I talked to the DS, and I'd, I'd test the waters and say, ah, test the waters, and ah. And my mentor, a few of my mentors went to this little country church out in West Texas, and they lost their pastor, and they knew I'd been struggling with this. And so they went to the DS and said, can, can we ask Jim to be our supply pastor just to fill in? And that will help him discern his call, and that will help us. So I didn't even know. They called me and said, do I want a church? I said, how did you know I was even thinking about it? But I took it. In the first meeting, Kiefer, one of my rancher, store owner, one of, my, one of the key leaders, one of my mentors, he said, okay, and we talked about what this was going to look like, hours, this and this, and, and I was going to work on the weekends and do stuff in the week, but I was still keeping my regular job. And afterwards, he goes, oh, yeah, and Mr. Davison's in the hospital, and he's dying. I was like, why are you telling me? I was like, oh, I got to go see him. I'm in my 20s. I didn't been going to church that long, a few years. And now I'm supposed to go and, and minister on the deathbed of this man I don't even know? Oh, that was scary. But I remember walking down this hall, and it seemed like the longest walk. I was trying to make it long because I didn't want to get to the room and I just prayed, I said, God, I have no idea what to say. This is way above me. But I just showed up. And God blessed it. And he blessed that time. And he blessed that ministry. We, we can't handle this God stuff. 
I, I needed the Holy Spirit to just, I just said, God, give me what to say, because I don't know. This is bigger than me. And I've been a lot by a lot of bedsides and ministered to a lot of people that are dying, and I do the same thing every time. I don't do anything except pray, Lord, give me the God. Give me the words to say or not to say. I don't know what I'm doing here, but Lord, I know you can work through me. So just all kinds of stuff. We don't know what to say. They didn't have boldness. They didn't have courage. And then all of them went to their deaths. You see the boldness of Stephen getting stoned and praying, uh, going to see Jesus and praying for those that are persecuting him, that are killing him. You see a peace and assurance in this world and in ministry that, that's not from this world. Scripture tells us. A peace that we do not understand because it's not of the world. It's not from our surroundings or our material or the things we have. It is comes, the peace of the world comes from outside in. And if that outside is messed up, our income, our finances, our emotional relationships, uh, whatever it is that we find peace, if we lose that, we lose our peace. But the peace of God comes from the inside out. And it doesn't matter what is going on around you. And many of us are missing that. Paul said, he's like, kill me, I don't care, I get to go be with Christ, or leave me and I'll, I'll work for Christ, I'm good either way. And it didn't matter if he was in jail, shipwrecked, uh, being chased out of town, he was praising God and witnessing to his captors, to the guards, it didn't matter. He, he, this was firm. His foundation was firm. And it didn't matter what the world threw at him. He had peace and assurance. That didn't come from the world. That comes from the Holy Spirit. And I could go on. All of this has to do with the Holy Spirit. So they needed the Holy Spirit to carry out the mission that God had given them. And it was that Holy Spirit that was going to be the other piece of the puzzle. They had experienced the resurrected Lord, and now they were going to receive the Holy Spirit. See, just, I said, those are the two things that made the difference in their discipleship, in their relationship. It's the same thing for us. It's the same thing for us. How we, how we live our Christian life how we do this discipleship, carry out our mission. As a pastor, over many years now, I see the same thing. When people are firm in the resurrection, their faith is solid in all things. When, when people rely, humble themselves, die to themselves, and try not to do it on their own power, but let the Holy Spirit fill them. You know, I always tell people all the time, Jesus said, the world will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. And how does Jesus love us? He knows all of our faults and our weaknesses and our sins and our struggles, and he loves us anyway. Now, I tell people, I can't even do that on my own power because the worldly gem is competitive and petty and envious and covetedness. And all of this good stuff, that, so it makes me, I can't love like that, but with the power of the Holy Spirit in me changing my heart 
and revealing God's truth, man, I can begin to see how God loves people. I can begin to take all the good, all the bad, all the ugly, and love them anyway, just like Jesus loves me. That's what we're called to do. That's what I need the Holy Spirit for. So we are the same thing. I think sometimes I think discipleship, sanctification is growing in our acceptance of the power of God. Because that's what we're talking about. The power to raise Jesus from the dead. If we truly believe that in the heart, our heart of hearts, that changes everything. That changes everything. When we experience the risen Christ, and in this in-between time, we've talked a lot about uh, Thomas seeing the, the experience Christ in the flesh in our story today and all the things I recounted. We are talking about experiencing the resurrected Christ in the flesh. So you say, well, how can we experience? We're, we're the ones that have not seen yet believe. How do we experience the resurrected Christ? Scripture tells us. It's what we talk about when we're talking about discipleship. The Word. What does it say about Jesus? The Word made flesh. Jesus is the embodiment of the Word. And so when we read the Word with the Holy Spirit, understand, 1 Corinthians tells us we can't even understand Scripture. We can't understand the things of God without the Holy Spirit because in the world, it's foolishness. Right? The scripture says stuff like, in my weakness, I am strong. That doesn't make sense in the world. In my, the world says, in my strong, strength, I am strong. Paul says, now when I am weak, when I humble myself, when I bow down to God, to Jesus, then I am filled and I have strength and I have peace. So when we read I took experiencing God a long time ago, many, many ago. The only thing I remember that was a truth of Scripture that stuck out to me, it said, if you want the truth, you have to take the Word plus the Spirit equals the truth. The Word by itself has been misused, mishandled for selfishness, for horrible purposes. And so we have to be discerning when people, just because they say it's Christian, doesn't necessarily mean it is. But the Word plus the Spirit helps us to discern God's truth. But we also, in prayer, when we go to God in prayer, it is prayer plus all these, and this is the thing we we didn't talk about when we talked about all these discipleships, prayer and uh, service, worship, that it always has to be done in the Spirit. When Jesus is asked about worship at the lady on the well, at the well, it was a worship question, right? She said, they say we worship here, we're supposed to worship there. What is the right way to worship? Jesus said, in spirit and in truth. And that is the same thing for all of these means of grace, service, worship. I mean, we can come to worship and we can get nothing out of it. But when we worship in the spirit and we worship in truth, we feel the presence of God. So all of these things, we, when we serve, we, we are, it's, it's almost a sacrament to serve selflessly. And when we do it in the spirit of God, we feel the presence of God. So all of these means of grace are always, we, we, 
it's assumed, but we need to be clear, it is Scripture plus spirit and truth. Worship plus spirit and truth. Prayer, spirit and truth. Service, spirit. All that we do is always supposed to be in the spirit and the truth. The spirit is the power. The truth is Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. That is the foundation. And if all that we do is grounded in those two things, then we will be the disciples, the husbands, the wives, the fathers that God has called us to be. Experience the risen Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we get after it. I'll close. It's kind of a shift, but I love this scene and this. It's one of my favorite pictures I get. When Jesus is ascended and they're just sitting there looking up in awe, in my picture, their mouths are open. And these two angels say, what are you doing standing there? Get busy. Let's go. You got some place to be. And sometimes I think that's, as Christians, that sums up our life. Maybe once a week, hour a week, we step out of the world, we step out of life, we come up here and we look up for a little bit, and then we just go back to our stuff. You know, when we're waiting on God, maybe we're in between seasons, maybe we're, we don't know what God wants us to do. But keep moving. Get going. Don't just stand there looking up. Start moving. There's uh, old West Texas saying that I heard in West Texas, and I use this a lot in personal counseling or, or just direction in life. God can't steer a parked car. It's got to be moving. Same thing with Christians. I've seen Christians that just sit and do nothing and say, I'm just waiting for God to show me. Well, just start moving and God will direct you. And when we start moving, we might meet this person or we might do this or we might try this. Just get moving. Don't just stand there looking up. Get moving so God can guide you. Resurrection of Jesus Christ is the truth at the foundation of all we do. And the power of the Holy Spirit is the power God has given us to do what he has called us to do. It is not something we're gonna do on our own power, our own ability. When we do, we get burnt out and beat up. But when we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are revived and refreshed. Experience the resurrected Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. That makes all the difference. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, I pray that uh, your word would speak to each one of us. And Lord, as we come to your table, that these elements would preach to us about love and forgiveness and the grace of God. That even though we are not worthy, Lord, because of Christ, God no longer sees our unrighteousness or our unfaithfulness but he sees Christ's righteousness and Christ's faithfulness. Because he is worthy, we have become worthy. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.